people, welcome to the Hunt Backcountry Podcast. This is episode number 226, and it is the third episode in the Pack Essentials series. The topic today on the Pack Essentials series is hunting gear. So if we strip away the gear we need just for general backpacking, hiking, camping, etc., what is the specific gear for hunting that makes it into our pack for backcountry backpack style hunts? So we talk about everything from the kill kit, knives, game bags, that type of thing, as well as weapon-related gear, optics, and all of that. So thank you guys for tuning in. hope you're enjoying this series. We have one more part coming next week, and that will conclude the Pack Essential series. Also have another episode coming Friday with the firearm series that we've been doing as well, and a whole lot more coming as we get closer and closer into the preseason and going to dive deep into tactics for elk, mule deer, and more. So thank you guys for staying tuned into the Hunt Backcountry podcast. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button and contact us via email. So podcast at exomountaingear.com with a topic suggestion, a guest suggestion, or just a question that you've been wondering about. We love answering everything from beginner questions to more advanced questions. If it's not something that Steve and I can speak to directly, we will find someone that can speak to that for you. So let us know. We'd love to hear from you. But for now, let's dive right in, talking hunting gear on the Pack Essential series. To kick things off, I mean, we can hit weapon-related items, uh, items related to the hunt itself, but let's go ahead and just dive into where most guys would probably go to first, and that's kind of when the tag's filled. So let's hit kill kit, uh, meat care, those types of specific items on this pack essential series. What's, uh, I guess just go ahead and give us a rundown of for you, what's in your quote unquote kill kit. You know, honestly, man, I'm a pretty basic kill kit guy. Uh, there's not much. It's, um, uh, it's funny cause I do have my gear list broke down into, um, just five sections here. So I've got the base gear, which like you said, you talked about is, um, basically everything that's coming with me, no matter scouting trip, backpacking with my wife, you know, uh, prior to kids. <laughs> and, um, and then, uh, you know, so basically everything that's with me regardless of the trip. And then I've got clothing as a column, foods, a column, uh, and then hunting gear. And then like my cold weather optional, column right so Mm -hmm. yeah under hunting gear um it's pretty small column there's not a whole lot different that you need if it whether it's just backpacking or hunting Uh, on the kill kit itself uh it's really game bags rope is already in the pack regardless of the trip um and a knife i don't uh i don't do like citrus spray uh, I don't uh, have a lot of friends I know that'll take like a ground cloth to lay the meat out on. Um, it's always nice when I'm with somebody that has that, but I just never personally pack it. Just like one of those stupid things that, you know, two ounces of weight that I've just always figured out how to get around without having it. Because um, your friends have it. That's how you get around it. Because my friends have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, just like, um, you know, there, there's you just been find plenty a log, of times I, you find some I find sort of a, spot. Yeah, yeah, a log or a really good like pine tree that's got some good, you know, um, branches, lots of needles. You know, I'll just like lay it on that. Uh, even a good rock, like get, you know, it's kind of nice and clean. Like I can think of um, 
oh, I killed an elk. It was a spike elk not too many years ago by myself. And, um, yeah, as, as I, I got the quarter off, I packed it like 50 yards to this uh, big old slab of rock that I just laid everything on until I was ready to throw in the pack, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like, yeah, I guess a little extra work to kind of carry the meat to 50 yards. or It probably wasn't that far. It was probably 30 yards. Um, but, the, yeah, I just kind of figured ways around it. You know, it's never been to me like this deal breaker. But, again, it is nice um, when you got it at ground cloth. Uh, but that I also, you know, do all the skinning of the animal while it's on the body uh, my my buddy mike taught me a great technique um so you're not like you don't need like you used to cut the, the you know quarter off and then lay it on the ground and then kind of skin the rest of it off and now i just do that while it's on the animal and uh, so there's some technique stuff you can do i guess to keep it clean but other than that man i don't um i'm sure i'm missing something but i don't think there is tags or you know you're not your tag i don't um sometimes i'll pack uh well i always have some tape so i'll either use tape or rope to tie the tag to the horn um, yeah, I don't know. What about you? What's in your kill kit? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty similar. I do, um, I don't necessarily pack it as a ground cloth, but I will use it as a ground cloth. I generally will have a contractor bag or two, um, and that could be a multi-purpose, everything from like a pack liner to a ground cloth for meat to, you know, just wet gear store. Like I just carry a contractor bag or two. Um, and you know, sometimes that's kind of in that general column, if you will, but it definitely comes into play here for me, for my kill kit. Um, yeah, I do, I'm about the same. You know, I, I, a lot of guys will pack like gloves, which I typically don't do. It can be nice. I just, like you said earlier, just for whatever reason, never pack them. Um, things that are going to come up as well for guys would be flagging tape. That can be helpful. Um, I honestly just do it less now because of the convenience of digital tracking. Um, you know, you can mark blood spots, you can mark a trail and a track and onyx, for example, um, versus physically flagging um, blood trails. Um, so yeah, I just don't, I don't tend to pack that as much. Um, yeah, so it, it is pretty simple. Like let's let's just dive into the specifics, pros and cons, things we've used in the past versus what we use currently as it comes to those items in the kill kit. Um, I guess begin with game bags. What do you look for in a game bag? Do you always go to the same type? Do you kind of vary what you use? Just kind of hit the pros and cons and use of game bags. Yeah. Uh, I've probably used a dozen different brands over the last, you know, handful of years. The old standby, it was like an Alaskan game bag. It's a stretchy mesh and, uh, you know, not necessarily super heavy. They, they had a brand um, that they sold through Cabela's. I remember used to buy in that um, worked uh, worked okay, super light. Um, problem there is any boned out meat, right? Just that's the last thing you want, especially with a, a pack like ours where the meat is going between the bag and the frame. So to hold boned out meat, that the game bag itself needs to be a non-stretchy material. Uh, so that uh, those aren't very good for that. Um, and I've just used a bunch of different different ones over the years uh tag bags caribou bags um random prototype ones that have been sent to us last year i actually came across uh some fabric that was super intriguing to me i was like it was just a sample that was sent um we get samples all the time of companies that are you know hey check out this something you know we developed and uh, i was like this would be a great game bag fabric i actually just went went down to the sew shop and we sewed up a couple um and i ran that for a few months and they worked great so um yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think it's too specific. I mean, I think you got to weigh. Um, in Colorado, 
we were down there uh, a few years back and the blowflies were unbelievably bad. Uh, I'd never experienced anything like that in Idaho. So I think it's, uh, depending on where you're at, like down there, if you, you really needed a burly stout, good quality game bag, if you're going to hang that meat for any duration, um, for me, typically meat's not being stored for very long, right? Like I, I kill it, um, it, you know, cutting it up, throw it in the game bag and then I'm out to the truck and, and the hunt's done. Uh, so it's really not like durability and, and longevity performance of a game bag hasn't been a critical function. I can definitely see, like I said, in Colorado there where it would matter a lot. Um, I killed a bull and, uh, hit it good, but we didn't have good blood and, and ended up waiting. Like, I can't remember quite a few hours, maybe three or four hours by the time we found it and rolled it over the entire bottom half of it was just covered in blowflies. Um, it's something I've never, ever seen before in Idaho. Um, so yeah, just situationally knowing kind of, you know, if I was in Alaska and you know, you're on a caribou hunt, right. And you know, the meat's going to be, need to be stored for a week until a flight comes and gets you, um, you know, then game bag kind of durability build quality is probably something that matters. Um, and then, and then I've never been one to, um, I guess that's, it's probably just because I'm lazy, but like most game bags, I you know see one, two, maybe three uses at the most, and then I throw them out and replace them. Or uh, you know, a lot of guys, I think they're trying to buy something once and then have it for quite a few years. And I guess I've never got to the point where I was that concerned about the the durability of you know buying them up front to, to have something that's gonna last me for a long time. But yeah, I think one important point you hit on is kind of just looking at sizing especially as you get into the synthetic bags the non-stretch bags they're gonna come into size and then retain that size a bit better and so just paying attention to sizing considering do you know obviously the species you're hunting is going to be a factor um, but do you know if you're going to plan on boning that out for sure if you could stay boning with quarters like those types of things if you can think through that and sometimes you don't know sometimes you want the flexibility to do both but there definitely can be an advantage to, let's say you're having an early season hunt, you're planning on boning it out because you're going to be deep or what have you. Getting a, a game bag that's sized where it provides that loose meat, some structure, so kind of long and slender, can be really helpful. Um, at that same time, you could run into an issue where you're trying to use that game bag with a big quarter. So it's just worth thinking through sizing on that to something I would just consider because I've used both. Um, even thinking of when we did Alaska this past fall, it, you know, we were hunting caribou in a unit where everything had to stay bone on, including the ribs. So going through my game bags again, I was like, can this, I wasn't sure, like, can this fit a full rack of caribou mm -hmm. ribs type thing? So, uh, yeah, it's just something to think through like you have tried a bunch. There's been nothing I would say outstanding, positive or negative about that. Um, tag bags, as you mentioned, I've tried the 6am ones uh, grack saw bags. Um, there's just balances there on lightweight versus probably durability, as you mentioned, but in terms of performance, I'm kind of like you where it's, I guess Alaska being that exception on our caribou hunt was you fill the tag and you're just, you're out of there as soon as possible. And so it's just not as big of a concern. Um, hit knife, uh, tried a bunch of knives, talk pros and cons, what you're using these days, that type of thing. Um, yeah, last year I packed the Benchmade Altitude, um, in years past, uh, you know, I went from a traditional knife to, um, holy crap, I just blanked, uh, replacement blades. 
yeah. Uh, Havilon. Sorry. Havilon is what I was looking for. So I went from a traditional knife to a Havilon. Uh, you know, enjoyed the sharpness of a Havilon. I was not somebody like you that is a wizard with a, a field sharpener to, to sharpen up a, a traditional knife. So Havilon was awesome. Uh, breaking blades was super annoying with that. Uh, it seemed to be no matter how much I slowed down, how careful I was, I'd still break at least one, if not two, in the process of cutting up an animal. Every once in a while, I'd do an animal or two without breaking one, and then the next one, three, would break somehow. Um, and then so I switched to an outdoor edge, um, their replaceable blade knife. Had good performance with that. Um, didn't really have any complaints, and then uh, got uh, got a hold of that Benchmade Altitude, and it's it was awesome. Like the caribou I shot last year, um, you know, it was razor razor sharp prior to the caribou, and then I was I was um, just very cautious cutting it up to where you know I just not just diving it into bone and stuff like that. So I kind of took my time a little bit just so I wasn't degrading the edge and, and kind of you know beating it up on bone unnecess- unnecessarily. And by the end of that animal, the 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 knife was still shaving hair sharp. So to me that was phenomenal um still need to practice on getting better sharpening with it but it was nice to have like a, a real knife in your hand again um where the, the outdoor edge has got a good feel to it but it still doesn't quite replace having um you know just a knife in your hand so that's my current uh i packed that last year and i did um i'm fairly decent using a leather strop back in the solid broadhead days use those uh, use a leather strop to get a really good edge on it um so i did I had a, an old one that I took and it weighs nothing. I threw that in my, um, in my uh, p- pack. And, uh, so I, I never actually had to use it, but I was playing with it at home. And I know if it, if you had a big project or at the end of an animal, you wanted to just get that nice edge back to it. You could pretty quickly. So, yeah, like you have kind of gone through a bunch of different things. Um, went full circle going from standard knife to replaceable blades and then kind of back to something fixed. Um, and I really just like having that, just the structure of that, this, the solid, uh, blade versus breaking things, or even worrying about a locking mechanism, changing blades to me was always troublesome. Um, just kind of scary because you're in, you're typically in somewhat of a hurry. Your hands are wet and bloody. And I always felt like that was one of the most dangerous aspects of any hunt was changing a blade on a replaceable knife. So if you are running a replaceable blade knife, whatever one you're looking at, I would look at the mechanism for how you change that and just make sure it's as simple and easy as possible. Um, but yeah, I've come full circle back to, to running a fixed blade. The altitude is great for sure. Um, for sharpening for me... Um, I guess, Steve, you've ruined the fact that talking about me sharpening. So I've gotten quite a few questions on what I use for that. Uh, I use a DMT, uh, diafold, which is just a tiny, um, two-sided folding pocket sharpener, both of which, uh, the surfaces are, um, diamond. So DMT, they make diamond sharpeners. Uh, I personally use one cause they sell them in different models with coarsenesses with coarseness that's not a word i don't need coarse coarseness i have no idea i'm making up words at this point (laughs) Uh, but anyway i use the fine slash extra fine one so it's the red on one side green on the other and just one tip in general no matter what you're using for a knife whether it's a leather leather strop or some sort of um, diamond sharpener ceramic etc if you're planning on using a sharpener on a knife i would just say in general try to avoid letting it get too dull 
in the first place. So if you're working on an elk and you start to feel like it's losing its edge, it's much easier to touch a knife up than it is to resharpen a really dull knife. Um, same way it's much easier to stay in shape than it is to get in shape type thing. You're going to do a lot more work in the long run to try and restore a blade than you would be to just maintain a blade. Um, and as you mentioned, Steve, even how you use that knife is going to make a big difference. If you're diving into bone, if you're, you know, hitting ribs, that type of thing, it can be a big difference versus just trying to stay on the meat and use some caution, um, you know, with nicking the blade up and that type of thing. So yeah, that's a good one. What do you do? Do you do anything specific, Steve, on those other small items? I guess in terms of like quote unquote packaging your pill kill kit. So where in your pack are these items, whether that's game bags, knife, tag, license, all that stuff. Kind of talk like through the nitty gritty of where you store that within the pack system and why. Um, yeah, the extra extra rope and game bags go in the bottom of the water bladder sleeve. Uh, for me, that way they're like, they're always there uh, and they, they don't ever accidentally get, get taken out of my pack. You know, when I want to say I come home from a trip and I unload stuff and I reload it. I just know they're always there until, until I use them, right? Um, and then knife, tags, uh, you know, I, I basically typically just use one stash pocket and jam, excuse me, jam everything into that one stash pocket. So the, my knife my and my tags I'll throw in. I've got like a little mini adventure medical kit bag that I've kind of, you know, it's just full of um, random stuff right now. Um it's, uh, you know, band-aids, a little bit of tape, extra batteries. I have a super light little Petzl headlamp, like backup headlamp that would kind of get you by in an extreme pinch. Um, you know, a needle and thread, just some really random things that you, you kind of almost never use, but that whole thing weighs, you know, just a few ounces, so it's not too big of a deal. Um, so that's my tags always go in that because that way it's um, – Again, I rarely ever access or open it, so it's kind of one of those things that I know my tags are still there and I don't have to to worry about it. Uh, that's pretty much it, man. Like I said, it's not to me. There's not a whole lot there, right? Yeah, I know other people have like dedicated bags that are their kill kits, and um, I just haven't done that. Yeah, I mean, I've done different things in the past. Of like, I used to. I remember years vacuum sealing my game bags, for example, so they took up the smallest amount of space possible and um yeah assembling like one uh one little bag that was kind of the fully enclosed kill kit but yeah pretty similar to you I, d- I don't do that anymore um i do use the bottom of the water bladder sleeve for the game bags and then as you mentioned just a stash pocket so for me that's going to be license identification tag a lot of times my truck key or whatever so i always have one stash pocket that's kind of like i know i'm not going to be in and out of um, just to not have that risk of reaching for chapstick or something random on and off and then losing something important. So I just keep one stash pocket kind of reserved for the stuff you don't really touch unless you truly need it type thing, uh, which I think is a good strategy. Um, small stuff, but hunting specific related. What do you do for wind indicator and calls like say for an elk hunt? And then again, kind of like just the nitty gritty details on how you use those. Do you use anything specific where you store them? That type of deal. Um, yeah. So on the reeds, I'm actually really terrible with those. Uh, they they always just I put them in my pocket. Um, I did have a who was the um, oh man. There's a, a 
company in Oregon that makes. Um, is it the Bendable guys or somebody yeah, else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Bendable, uh, I think it's just like Bend, B E N D, and then dash A dash B L E, maybe. Mm-hmm. Can't remember how they, they kind of abbreviate that um, or hyphenate it. Um, and they had a, a little reed holder that you could like, clip to the bill of your hat. And I actually clipped that to the um, strap on my uh, my shoulder strap on the left side. And that, that worked pretty good. I had the reed fall out like once. I think I went through a super brushy spot and then looked down. My reed was gone. So, um, yeah, like I said, I'm pretty terrible there. It just goes in my pocket and then just eventually gets smashed by my phone or something else. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I hate having – like I don't want to have to like a separate freaking pocket that – like pockets upon pockets for crap, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, it just goes in there. If, if I had a, you know um, – the bino harness stuff and FHF or something like that, where there's little reed pockets that, you know, that makes a lot of sense. That's a great place to put it. Um, so I used to use just like this little clear plastic thing, um, that just held just the size. It was just the size of a reed, right? I think Primos made it or something like that, or I don't know. Um, that would go in my pocket. And, but at the end of the day, I just like, I think it broke one year and then I stopped using it. And so now the reeds just go in my pocket. Uh, and then, um, Wind checker, same deal. Just in my pocket. Um, I like to have stuff. Um, I don't want to have anything attached to my pack as far as reads, wind checker goes, right? Because uh, there's so many times that I'm going to drop that off, drop it, set it on the ground. Um, and so anything that I, is kind of important in the heat of a moment during a kill shot, um, I'm going to want on my body. So I, just, I like to put stuff in my pant pockets. That way it's it's with me. And because I don't use a bino harness, um, uh, you know, the, the baby Bjorn styles, um, I just use the, the shock cords. So, um, basically stuff that, that needs to be with me just goes in my pocket. Yeah. yeah. Um, usually I'll put my wind checker in, um, like the prana pants I wear, I'll put it in that cargo pocket. And then that way, if I'm, um, like kneeling, I still got access to it, right. Where you're, sometimes mm-hmm. you could be kneeling where it's hard to get into your side pockets. Yeah. Um, but again, that kind of bounces around. So, yeah. Yeah, just look up those guys. It's it is bendable. There's just a dash between the bend and the quote unquote able, um, and then the product is they call it a reed quiver. That's the um, the clip on kind of hold the single diaphragm. They also make little uh, pouches, I guess, like they can hold four or five um, that you can wear around your neck or whatever. But yeah, that one little plastic one that you're referring to is the reed quiver from. And I, and I yeah, same. I used to wear cow calls around my neck, but those drive me effing nuts. So those just—I got more crap in my pockets when I'm elk hunting than I probably should. I'll, uh, <laughs> I never remember where I'm there. It's like my complete opposite advice for like loading your pack the same every time. So you know where things are. Like, is my read my right pocket? Is my left pocket? It's, it's a train wreck. Uh, I should probably build a better system there. But that's funny. <laughs> um. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's all personal preference. Just play with stuff, figure out what works for you. Um, part of that is trial and error. Uh, but it is worth thinking through all that, like which pockets, what I try to be really consistent with that. So it kind of becomes subconscious, but like you, sometimes I just, I don't pay attention, get stuff mixed up and reach for something that I thought's there and it's not. And then you're scrambling. So yeah, trying to avoid that for sure. In terms of, let's say, Let's get kind of talking like weapon-related gear um, in addition to the weapon itself. So let's hit bow first. What do you carry related to a bow hunt 
in terms of quote-unquote pack essentials. So this could be an extra release. It could be, you know, repair materials, D-loop, serving, Allen wrenches. Like, what does that look like for you in terms of the extras beyond the bow itself that you carry for that bow? Yeah, again, the, the answer is not going to be something amazing because it's pretty limited. Uh, I do have D-loop material that's in my little first aid kit. I put a 12-inch piece of that in there years ago and actually helped uh, uh, Cody uh, Cody Kellum when we were in Colorado. I ended up pulling – he had something. I think it was his rest had an issue with it, and we ended up pulling that D-loop material out of there and using it to fix it up. Um, it was like the one and only time I've ever used it. But if you were accident, you know, that would be something that would shut you down in the middle of the hunt. If uh, somehow you that you know not broke loose or you got cut somehow by the broadhead or something like that, so it's a, that's an easy one that weighs nothing. Um, I I've, I've never packed Allen wrenches. I know it's idiotic that I don't. I should uh, at the at the very least, you know, you should have a like a couple singles of the of the important things, stuff on your site. Um, you know, the, your rest, quiver, bolts, you know, something like that. Uh, I never do. I'm pretty good about just routine maintenance, though. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just before a hunt when I'm at home, um, just check all the screws. You know, it's, it's super simple to do, and then and then I'd say your probability of having an issue in a hunt drops down, you know, significantly. Uh, so that's kind of been my go-to. But I, I've absolutely been in scenarios where um, I've had something come loose, uh, a hunting partner's had something, something come loose and they, they pulled a whole Allen wrench. Lenny always packs a little Allen wrench set in his pack and, um, it's stupid that I don't, but for some reason I haven't got to it. So, um, relying on your friends again, I'm seeing a trend, man. I know. Yeah. I guess I'm just not, <laughs> like, so we, we keep going back to, um, well, I don't know. I, I think a little bit of preventative maintenance and then yeah. if, you know, just depend like if. I would have one. I know I'd have one in my pack. Say, um, like just this morning we were talking about um, uh, a sheep sheep hunt and, and back backpacking way 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 back in there. You know, twenty plus miles. In that scenario, I'm gonna have a freaking Allen wrench set. My typical stuff. It's like if something that bad goes wrong, you know, it's like a two hour hike back to the truck, and it's not a major deal breaker for me. So I'm I'm willing to save an ounce here, an ounce there, which all these little one ounce things that I don't pack add up to a pound or two, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the chance that the very, very small chance that something could go wrong. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I would like, say, I would just say worst case have in the truck, especially like for an, an instance where you're doing an out of state hunt, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, inside my truck is a tote just full of more crap than I would ever need. Right. Yeah. Replacements of everything. Right. Uh, so that to me, that's like my worst, Worst case scenario, something goes wrong. I, I hike out my four miles and back to the truck. I fix it up and then I'm back to hunting. So Yeah. And one thing on that too, I mean, even if it, it depends what goes loose and what goes wrong, but sometimes you're going to want the assurance or necessity to go back to the truck and verify something anyway. So if your rest moves and let's say you didn't have it marked, which hint, hint, you should mark all of your settings before hunting season on your rest, on your site, everything you can think of, like have those indicators. So if something does come loose, you can put it back to where it was. But there are certain times where, yeah, something goes wrong and maybe you have the tool to fix it, but are you confident hunting and continuing to shoot and shoot in an animal when you haven't verified that bow on target? So sometimes that, you know, A, 
have the wrenches back at the truck, but also make sure you have a target back at the truck, that type of thing, or have some sort of um, arrow you can stump shoot, something like that. Um, I do also carry D-loop. Uh, I typically will carry just the single Allen wrenches um, for like what you mentioned, the, the most important things that could go wrong. Don't carry the full kits. I carry serving because it weighs nothing, but it's it's more for like general repair than even bow specific mm-hmm. stuff. It's just nice to be able to tie some things up if needed. Um, I've carried an extra release in the past, um, specifically um, on out of state hunts and on say like packing in for a week type thing. Primarily because I mostly use a thumb trigger and I don't like running a leash or anything on that. And so, again, that's something I just keep in my pocket. Um, And I've never had an issue, thank God. I do use a locking one, so I can lock it on my bow, uh, kind of in heat of the moment, if you will. But I've definitely carried an extra in the past just for that backup. Um, But, again, that can depend on what type of release you're using and, again, on the context of your trip, um, whether or not you need to do that or consider that. Um, Yeah, I think that's it on the bow front, man. what about rifle stuff? Anything you do specific there? Like for me, one thing that comes to mind right away on rifles is just making sure that you have a way to, <clears throat> excuse me, to, um, to secure the end of the barrel, to prevent moisture from getting in the barrel. Um, that could be as general as just generally having tape. Like you might have duct tape in your repair uh repair kit or first aid kit or what have you but making sure you do that on the rifle um my preference there is actually electrical tape Uh, and then i've also started using more than anything i've started using one of the little foamy earplugs um those little orange ones so just just like you would for your ear kind of twist the end make it small put that in the end of the barrel and i've actually found that that stays really really well um that's something that comes to mind there but anything rifle specific that comes to mind for you steve yeah, not really, man. I'm too much of a newbie to the rifle side. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, having that little uh, Spartan bipod, which is um, you know not attached to the rifle, that having that with me, uh, obviously it's almost pointless if you had, uh, you know, to me that's a good example of a, if your um, a screw comes loose on your scope mounts, like well, I guess you could tighten it up and then just redo a practice shot. I was thinking of uh, if that comes loose, you're going back to the truck anyways to recite in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you could definitely obviously just shoot while you're out there. So yeah. Uh, and then yeah, same thing with your electrical tape over the end of the barrel. That works great. Uh, that earplug thing's new to me. Haven't heard of that one. Um, I imagine that could yeah work pretty well. Apparently, we're paying That's attention it, in man. Alaska, man. I was doing that. Oh, I did not pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> um, more of us. Do as I say, not as I do recommendation, because I don't typically do this, but obviously consider hearing protection um, for the field, especially if you're shooting a a break particularly, or if even on, I'm more prone to do this on a group hunt where you're not necessarily the shooter, but you're in close proximity and you might have time, again, not being the shooter to put something in. It's worth considering. I like the neck band hearing hearing protection. Or um, Surefire makes nice earplugs that are um, they're on a lanyard, so you can kind of wear them around the neck. And then they also have a plug in them to where they can let some, let in some ambient noise. So if you're in a situation where you have them in, but then somebody's talking, you can pick that up pretty good. So again, that's uh, not something I always do, but for sure would be uh, something you should consider for the rifle. And then I would say the other one, 
I've carried in the past, and I think it's just going to come up more and more as guys get electronics into their rifles or just rely on things um, like like custom turrets. But I would consider always having a, a reference chart on paper for um, for your ballistics, for your dope, for your um, your dial. So whether that's MOA or mills, what have you. But knowing what your zero is and then knowing uh, what those come-ups are and your scope if you're dialing at all and having it on paper is a good backup. Um, I typically have like a small reference sheet and then just uh, ghetto-style laminate it by covering it in packaging tape or something like that. But um, yeah, rifle-related, I think that's about it. Like I said, we're, we're not the, the all-out experts on that one. Yeah, I don't know. I think a rifle's... There's a lot less moving parts than a bow, so it's going to be you know less less screws and bolts and mm-hmm. and the maintenance really that things could go wrong. Yeah, cool. Anything come to mind, Steve? That's I guess optic related. So not necessarily having an optics discussion about what optics you're using, but yeah, is there anything that comes up there? You already kind of mentioned you don't use a, a binal harness. You just use. Um, why am I drawing a blank on the name of the strap? Uh, like the bungee yeah, cord. Yeah, Rick Young strap. Yeah, yeah Rick Young shot cord arms. Yeah. Is there anything you pack? Like, do you pack a cleaning cloth? Do you pack any of that type of stuff? I'm assuming not. Minimalist. Uh, I do have, yeah. Uh, no, I do have a um, typically a little chamois type cloth, right? The one that stuffs up into its own little package. Um, I do, will have that, especially if it's a wet hunt, right? Mm-hmm. Like deer or something where there's snow on the ground and got to deal with fog uh usually that's in my pack and that you know that that does truly weigh nothing mm-hmm. um i try not to pick uh, i used to have a, a quick release plate that required um you know a flathead screwdriver or to, you'd have a quarter or something in your in your little um first aid kit to, to tighten that back up because it'd come loose all the time try to the current one that i'm using just has a thumb tab that's something that's super annoying that would pop up. Um, I don't think so, man. Yeah, just uh, yeah, cool. it's pretty pretty simple. There. There's not a lot of things to worry about. Yeah, just to have a and quick enough quick release plates. Uh, you know, for your you know if you're packing a video camera and a spine scope and and uh, and also mounting your tripod or uh, tripod mounting your binoculars. You know, just enough quick release plates that you don't have to swap those back and forth. Um, I just have, you know, basically one for everything that's already mounted on it prior to the, to the hunt. So, right. Um, random question. I just thought of getting back on the bow topic. How many arrows do you carry? And I'm assuming they're all carried in your quiver. Do you extra, do you like say you are packing in for a long hunt? Do you ever pack any extras or just what you have in your quiver? And how many is that? Yeah, just a five arrow tight spot quiver. Uh, no, I, yeah, unless it was, um, you know, dropped off in Alaska by plane and you just had some, you know, we've always had, anytime we've done that hunt, we've always had extra arrows in the, uh, in a tote back at camp or whatever it was. Right. But if no, on a backpack hunt, I I wouldn't pack more than five arrows. Okay. Um, I used to, for years I had a three arrow quiver, which, um, is probably not enough, right? There's plenty of times I've, you know, even made a good shot on the first shot, but you just continue to get opportunities or, you're not sure where you hit and you do have an opportunity. You might as well just keep putting arrows in them. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I haven't, I think five is a good, good number. If you're, 
if you got seven arrows and you lose all seven, you probably should quit and stop hunting. So. <laughs> You're done. You're cut off. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> all right. No, but on. I do check flex. I don't pack. Well, actually, I'll take that. Last year, I started packing super glue in my first aid kit. Or maybe the year prior, I bought some little single use things, you know. But that was that was mainly for cuts. But um, I am good about you know a little bit of preventive maintenance goes a long ways. And so just checking my fletching, make sure none's loose prior to uh, you know I'll take my thumb and like roll it along the edge of the fletching on both sides, just watching the base to see if the base lifts off the the arrow shaft at all. Um, checking knocks, making sure those are tight. But I don't pack. I've never packed like extra knocks, but. Um, and then I don't, I don't even have extra broadheads ever. Um, sometimes I'll have a judo point or two like in the, in my pack, and I don't have one on. I have a, a lot of friends that will have like four broadheads and one judo point right in a five arrow quiver, and I don't ever do that because um, usually if you find like a grouse from you can shoot, they're gonna like grouse is gonna hang out for you know minutes. You know you got plenty of time to like grab a judo point, screw it on an arrow real quick, but I. Even that, I'm, I'm not um, – um, I typically don't shoot them just because I don't want to – I do only got five arrows, and to me it's a, that fifth arrow may be vastly more important trying to get a shot in an elk or a deer than, than trying to get a, than a grouse. So Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I haven't had good luck shooting them and then recovering the arrow where something doesn't get damaged, you know, a little crack in the end of it or arrow passes through, skips off a rock, and sails off into the distance. So there, right. to me it's not worth shooting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. Um, looking at this list, looking at the topic, um, I think it's an area where simple is best. Make sure you have, uh, as we mentioned, maybe the, the quote-unquote worst-case scenario backups at the truck. Um, consider how many extras you're packing in your pack that is maybe unneeded weight, where if that quote-unquote worst-case happens, you should just go back to the truck anyway. Um, and then I think one of the important takeaways is just look at how you're storing and accessing those things like we talked about uh we stumble on it too but have a system so that in the heat of the moment you know where that calls at you know where your wind checker's at if your release is handheld you know where that's at obviously making sure that the important items like your license and your tag and your game bags are stored in a way where you know they're there and at the same time they're out of the way so they're not interfering uh, but yeah, it's a pretty simple topic here as it comes to hunting gear and in terms of pack essentials. Hope you guys are enjoying this series and thank you for tuning in. If you got any questions, be sure to let us know.